0: Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on a wacky Wednesday, January 10th in Richmond, Virginia. We are live and local here in the 804 Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. and always available around the country on the go with the free Odyssey app. Download it today, AUD. ACY. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, or sports talk because it gives you the ability to pause the show, run some errands, rewind, and pick up right where you left off. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline to go around the NFL, it's our buddy Mark Schofield. What's going on, Mark? what's going on
1: adam happy wild card i guess it's technically super wild card weekend that's what the nfl wants us to call it but happy <laughs> wild card weekend to you my friend yeah
0: how do you feel about two games saturday three on sunday and then monday night football to close out the weekend
1: i do like it i like the way they spread it out it gives you a chance to sort of ease it in you get the afternoon game and the night game on saturday night to three on sunday and with you know, Martin Luther King weekend here. We've got the holiday on Monday, so you get a game Monday night after watching the three. I do like how they've sort of spread it out. I'm not wild about the Super Wild Card Weekend name. I kind mm-hmm. of poke fun at that when I can, but I do like the schedule.
0: Mark, you know the bit. Every week on my show we give out a Wad certified NFL Game of the Week, guaranteeing football fans around the country – We'll enjoy watching this game, no matter if your team is playing or not. We're talking about the most exciting, entertaining game of the weekend, AWOD-certified game of the week. What would Mark Schofield-certified game of the weekend be?
1: For me, it's that Rams-Lions game, and I've talked about mm-hmm. that a bit this week, because if you're a more casual fan of the NFL, you're going to buy into the storylines, of which there are many for this game. If you're even into the sort of more hardcore X's and O's. You're going to love watching Ben Johnson. You're going to love watching Sean McVay and what they dial up for their respective offenses, because I think this is going to be a fascinating game between these two teams. I think they're fairly evenly matched. I think obviously there's the storyline Stafford coming home, you know, Goff versus McVay, his old coach. I mean, there's a lot to love about this game. And for me, this is the game that I've sort of, okay, if I got a route in the afternoon on Saturday or even Sunday, that's okay. I can do some errands and come back and catch the end. But this is the game that I've told my family, look, I'm locked in from kickoff to the end for this one. This is the game I'm most excited to see for so many reasons. So for me, that three star game, that's Rams Lions.
0: Absolutely. I-, I like that. I-, I think there are more entertaining games, though. I'd probably pick the Dolphins Chiefs. But Rams is my upset pick of the weekend. Uh, I'm all in on Matthew Stafford coming back to Detroit, getting the win. I love head coach Sean McVay. I think he's going to scheme up uh, some really good plays. And I'm actually out on Ben Johnson. I I think he's going to lose and then probably get a job on Monday. There's a chance he's already looking at his future occupation.
1: Yeah, I mean, he is the hot name right now. He went through the hiring process last year before deciding, look, I'm going to go back to Detroit. and. The offensive coordinator called plays, worked with Jared Goff, but there's only too many times that the NFL hiring cycle is going to land on your doorstep, and I think at some point he's going to make that jump. And I'm with you on this game, Adam. I like the Rams in this one. I love the way they've sort of evolved their offense a couple of years ago. It was very heavy outside zone, wide zone. Now, 42% of their plays this year, according to Sports Info Solutions, gap power in the run game. They've turned around that offense on the run game, and I love the way that they've done it. I think it fits with their personnel very well. I think it's going to work against Detroit. And certainly, look, they can do some stuff defensively, Detroit, to slow down that run game. But then you've got Matthew Stafford, what they can do in the vertical passing game, what they can do off of play action. And this off of play action. And this is a Detroit defense that has given up points to some questionable teams, some non-playoff teams. I mean, things like 28 points to the Bears a couple of weeks ago. I think the Rams are going to win this game. I think it's going to be fun, but I do like L.A.
0: Cleveland at the Houston Texans. A battle of the oldest quarterbacks, oldest quarterback in the playoffs versus the youngest quarterback in the playoffs. I'm picking the Browns to win. I'm wacky for flacky. Are you going with age or beauty? I'm going
1: with age here. I'm with you. I'm taking Cleveland. I think the defense will be, I mean, the defense of Cleveland will be the difference here. You're talking about one of the best units in the league this year. In terms of expected points allowed in the passing game, nobody's been better than the Cleveland Browns. They'll be able to slow down that passing game from C.J. Stroud. They've only allowed 1.43 points per drive this year, second only to the Ravens. Now look, Houston has a path to win in this game for some turnovers from Flacco. He has made some mistakes. He hasn't been perfect in his comeback here. But I think that Brown's defense is so good. They're gonna get after Stroud. And while he showed, you know, last week, for example, against Indianapolis, against Georgia in the Peach Bowl, an ability to play against pressure, Miles Garrett is different. And and so I like Cleveland in this one. And of course it sets out Joe Flacco coming back to M and T Bank Stadium next weekend to play the Ravens, which I think is a story that I think a lot of people are going to want to be tuned in for that one if it happens.
0: So my game of the weekend is Dolphins at Chiefs. NFL fans are upset. The only way to watch this game is on Peacock. Now, I've let the listening audience know I do own the largest Peacock subscription. All right? I have the largest Peacock, so I'll be watching that game. But I understand NFL fans being upset, and I think the NFL did it because they know Swifties will want to watch Taylor Swift in the crowd. I mean, that's prob- there's
1: probably some truth to that. And I, I can tell you as somebody that has a Swifty as a daughter, um, uh-huh. if we didn't already have a Peacock subscription because I got it for Yellowstone, uh, we probably would have to run out and get one. Um, this game is going to be fascinating because both of these teams, Adam, have questions to answer. You look at, for example, the Kansas City Chiefs. Are they going to be good enough in the outside receiver positions to make a deep playoff run? If they win, they're going to face something they've never seen before in the Patrick Mahomes era, which is a road playoff game. They haven't had to go away from Arrowhead yet, so that will be fascinating to see. And then Miami, this is a team that a couple weeks ago was 14 points ahead of the Titans with three minutes to go. Had they locked down that game, they would have been three games clear of Buffalo in the division, and what we saw at the end of the season wouldn't have mattered. We probably wouldn't have seen it on the Sunday night game because they would have been in a position to lock up the division. Now, instead of playing at home, they're going to Arrowhead. Yeah. where it's going to be in the single digits, if not below zero. Their last 10 games as an organization, and 10 when it's been below 40, mm-hmm. let alone single digits. In his career in the NFL, when it's been below 40, a 77.5 passer rating, five touchdowns, five interceptions. They're banged up. They're having to go on the road. It's hard to feel confident about Miami right now. Certainly, Kansas City may end up losing, but I think they're going to win this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, for most of the season, I was going to pick the Dolphins, but as of late, I'm definitely riding with Kansas City. My second most confident pick of the weekend is the Steelers to cover a 10-point spread at Buffalo. I think the Bills win. I think 10 points is too much for a playoff game featuring Mike Tomlin.
1: 10 points is a big number. I'm with you on the spread. I think Buffalo wins this game. But we also might see a weather situation, in this one as well, a lake effect snow. You might see Pittsburgh able to grind this one down a little bit, force it into a sort of a 17 14, 17 13 kind of game. Buffalo certainly has the advantage on paper. They're playing very well right now. And I think with Josh Allen and company, they'll find a way to get it done. Plus, Pittsburgh's best path to a win here was forcing the bad Josh Allen game, getting a bunch of turnovers it's going to be much harder for them to do that without Watts. So I think Buffalo wins, but I do like the idea of Pittsburgh covering.
0: All right, let's go to Eagles at Buccaneers. Who you got? I like Tampa Bay in this one. Wow. And if okay. you would have
1: told me, say, before Thanksgiving that I'd be taking Tampa Bay in this game, I would have thought you were crazy. But this is an Eagles team that went 1-5 down the stretch and had one win against New York on Christmas night didn't instill a lot of confidence. This is an Eagles team where they're banged up a little bit. You know, Hertz has the injury on his throwing hand, waiting on a knee MRI for A.J. Brown. They've looked bad down the stretch here. There's no other way to say it. They've looked bad. And Baker Mayfield in his first ever home playoff game, I I just kind of like the vibes there. Now, maybe Chad Ochoa was right. He said yesterday that Philadelphia, they're playing possum. They'll be ready. They just wanted to get in. But I can't get with that right now. Maybe he's right, but sitting here right now. I like Tampa Bay in this game.
0: You know, I, I kind of think the Eagles will figure it out in a game that actually matters. Uh, I've been saying all season long the Eagles will be fine when they get to the offs, when they get to the playoffs. My producer Stubb is in on the bucks, but Mark, he's not confident enough to place a wager on the Bucks. Give him a little bit more of a reason to like the bucks. Well, I think when you look at
1: how banged up number one. Philadelphia is on the defensive side of the ball. I think you've got an opportunity for Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator, to do some things in the passing game, to get receivers involved. And when you look at this Eagles defense in the second half of the season, they've been really bad sort of up the spine of the defense, linebacker safety. When you see plays like Darius Slade and that 76-yard touchdown on Christmas night work it against the safety, when you see what teams have been able to do to them over the middle, I think Dave Canales is going to have enough time to put together a game plan where you can get Baker thrown off of play action. That's when he's been at his best over his career, getting back to – Certainly, his time with Cleveland. They're the Eagles' defense very susceptible to that portion of the field. Very susceptible to play action designs attacking that second level. And Dave Canales, we've talked about Ben Johnson, and you know everything that people are saying about him, and perhaps making the leap to head coach. He's done a very good job in Tampa and with Baker Mayfield. And so, I think you look at where this Eagles' defense is susceptible. I think that pairs well with what Tampa Bay wants to do in the passing game.
0: Mark, good stuff as always, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Adam. Enjoy the games this weekend. Yep, sounds good. That's Mark Schofield. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105-1 FM. Coming up next, I've got to admit, I've fallen in love with a fake couple from a rom-com movie series. I'm obsessed with Martha and Gaylord Fokker. I love the Fockers! What's the latest with TV and movie news? It's Netflix coming up next.
2: Breaking news on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, powered by Odyssey, is brought to you by BetQL.
0: Breaking news here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. According to Adam Schefter, a shocker in Seattle, Pete Carroll is expected to be out as the Seattle Seahawks head coach. Now, per sources, Schefter says he could still remain in the organization, but not as the head coach, I've also seen a report from Tom Pellerosso of the NFL. The team is still working through details, but after saying multiple times this week, Pete Carroll planned to be back as the Seahawks coach at age 72. It appears Carroll is out. I mean, who wouldn't want this guy as your next head coach? There's quite a few things in this game we can out, but I just think this, this thing is too important too
1: important. Can you win the game in the first quarter? No! Can you win the game in the second quarter? No! Can you win the game in the third quarter? No! you win the the mother- fourth yeah. quarter?
0: And that, of course, was 72-year-old Pete Carroll after the Seahawks' big win over the Eagles, and at that point, it looked like they were going to cruise into the postseason, but a couple bad losses left the Seahawks on the outside looking in. And now Pete Carroll, possibly out as the Seahawks head coach. Uh, I'm not that shocked by this stub because of the fact that he is 72 years old. Yeah. And I mean, he felt like he put everything on the line this season. As a coach, he used everything he has, every trick up his sleeve, to get Seattle to the postseason. And they just couldn't get it done because of Geno Smith's just play yeah, he was just thing. really inconsistent this season it's frustrating
3: i feel bad i liked him yeah he seemed uh, i don't know that's a that's a locker room i want to be in
0: yeah no so we'll see what happens now seattle could be on the search for a new head coach that's breaking news here on the new sports radio 910 the fan welcome back i'm adam epstein you're listening to WOD radio here on the new sports radio 910 the fan now you just heard that promo about my hatred for The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and yes, yes. it hasn't changed. Even though that promo says I'm 29, I'm now 31. <laughs> I still don't like The Rock. I still don't think he's been in a good movie in the last few years. But I am kind of interested about his next role in a drama by A24, and I think it's the Safti Brothers, right? Have you I, heard this? I think I have heard that. And yeah. It-
3: a twenty four brings out the best of they, people. They, they do. know how to use people because
0: they, they just they think outside of the box. Yes. And they you know, they're not working with the big names in Hollywood, Paramount and all those, you know, cinemas, studios. So they're able to kind of use their own budgets. Right? They're not yeah. about, hey, let's make a blockbuster movie. They're like, Hey, let's make a great film.
3: Yeah. And they, they make cheaper films and they're not constrained by producers. Yeah. Doesn't always work. Put a little too much money in Bo's Afraid. Lost so much money yeah, from the studio. I didn't see
0: that. I love I, lo- I think their their f- best movie they've done, I think, is Good Time, right? With um Pattinson, Robert yeah. Pattinson. That's There's my so favorite. I stuff. also really liked Uncut Gems. I mean they have done a hundred really yeah. good Hereditary, movies.
3: Hereditary, right? everything everywhere all at once.
0: Oh, everything everywhere at once is great. Midsommar. What is Hereditary?
3: I don't think I saw that. Oh, it's a horror. You don't like horror. Yeah. But it's, it's 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 like one of the best horror they movies. They did Ex Machina. They did the witch. People
0: sleep on that one. Yeah. They've done a lot of really good movies. Um, So, that brings us to doing NetClix here on The Fan.
2: NetClix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on NetClix.
0: All right, so I've been telling you guys all all week long, I'm a Fokker fan. I've been doing the Fokker Marathon. I watched another movie. Half of it last night, it was late night. So, Meet the Parents came out all the way back in 2000. And the movie's so good because it's your, you know, normal rom-com with Robert De Niro as the strict father. And you're like, well, it can't get any better than that. And then they introduced Meet the Fockers, and they have an unbelievable cast that involves Dustin Hoffman and Terry Polo as um, the... Or not Terry Polo, Barbara Streisand as the Focker parents. And the, the movie's just so much fun. They add a little baby to this one. And I don't know what it is about this, um, you know, rom com that just makes me smile and it, it like, kind of calms me down. I'm all in on the Fockers. That's a good rom com. You gotta watch the marathon, man. Yeah. It I, still hits.
3: I haven't seen any of them. Need really? To I've, I've been on a bit of a rom com kick yeah. as of late. I just watched uh, She's All That and uh, She's the Man, unrelated movies. She's All That She's is all that.
0: the one that is. Yep, seen as that. A... Oh, Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. Turns her into a star.
3: Half the Scooby-Doo cast.
0: God, what happened to Freddie Prinze Jr.? I loved Freddie Prinze. He's great. Right? I don't think he's been in a movie in like 15 years. (laughs) I don't know. Right? Yeah. He did Scooby-Doo. He did She's All That. I think he did a football movie. And that's... He hasn't been anything recently.
3: I'm the biggest live-action Scooby-Doo fan in the entire world. Yeah. I think that those are flawless movies, both of them. So you said She's All That and what's the other one? Uh, She's the Man. Dude, you hadn't seen that? No. Amanda Bynes
0: Channing Tatum? I grew up obsessed with that movie because I loved Amanda Bynes and it's a soccer film. man Amanda, Man Manda show. Amanda, Amanda, man Amanda, 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 Amanda show. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They were. Bu- I-, I liked she's all that a bit more. Yeah,
3: uh, she's the man. I don't know. Maybe it just hit. It, it had... doesn't hit the same. I mean, it came
0: out in 2006. Yeah,
3: that's the thing. Yeah, it, it's hard to. So to I will keep be finishing Meet of... the
0: Fockers tonight and then later this week. Little fuckers. I just love the fuckers. Yeah, I want to be friends with Gaylord Focker. He's a cool guy. Is that your? He's a male nurse.
3: (laughs) Is that your rom com of choice? Is that your number one?
0: What meet meet the parents? I mean, it's real. It is up there. Yeah, I'd probably say like one of the Adam Sandler movies with Jennifer Aniston. Okay, love those. Um, I mean, yeah, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Jennifer Aniston. That's my one seed Mm -hmm. of pairings. Um, number two, probably Ben Stiller.
3: Yeah. My one seed's going to be Gosling and Stone. Gosling and, and Stone. Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, that's a the, great that's one. That's the best rom-com oh, yeah. of all time. I love that movie. You know I who steals, that, steals
0: movie. that movie, though? Is Michael Scott from The Office. Everyone steals No, but movie. Steve Carell's the Dude, reason Gosling so good. Gosling kills it in oh, that. Oh, of course he kills it. <laughs> Gosling's killed every movie except for Drive. I always stand mm, on that opinion. Okay. He doesn't talk I, enough I, in that my, movie. I'm like, can they write make a script a- already? <laughs> you don't need to talk to. A I good think that movie. movie came out during the writers' strike because there was nothing written. There were many things written It which just wasn't dialogue. Uh, it was no dialogue. I oh, go to the movie a, theater. You're a child. I, I go to the you movie theater to hear like people talk. All right. I'm not into nonstop driving. You know, it gave me a, a headache. It's a, oh my. God. I've, I, I honestly, I'm I was like, right my now. goodness, I've been in a car for two hours here. I'm done. So you can't watch a silent movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not born in the '20s. I don't need to watch Charlie Chaplin do his thing. All right. All right. All right. Whatever. All right. What Not other ne- what Netflix news do you want to bring up to uh,
3: I've had this for a while. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to celebrate <laughs> the end of the worst franchise in Hollywood history. The DCU has officially released its last film until they restart again. What was year. the last film called? Aquaman yeah. and the Lost Kingdom. Yeah. All yeah. stinkers except for the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, I still All didn't. Stinkers. I didn't like that
0: Suicide Squad either.
3: But it was the best
0: one. Probably. But it still wasn't very good. It was like... Man, like, DC at, like the, the at its best probably got to, like, a 7, and Marvel's had several 10 out of 10s, I think. Eh, so some 9s.
3: Really? I wouldn't 5-star okay. it. All I
0: right, but you... It. But, like, DC sucks compared DC to sucks. Marvel. Yeah.
3: Zack Snyder had his hands on it. Yeah. Hack Snyder. So explain to me why you hate Zack Snyder so much. Um. Well, I've, every movie I've watched by him mm-hmm. makes me unhappy. I don't know. Like, I watch it, and I think they suck. I hate his style. Yeah. I hate that he makes fun things so unfun. Y-
0: now, you didn't like Man, uh, man of Steel. Man a lot of Steel was of my liked that. favorite movie ever made. Really? Oh, dude, he did 300? I hate that movie. He did Watchmen. I might be in that's, on uh, Zack that's Snyder. His, that's his best movie. Is Watchmen. Watchmen is excellent, know. dude. Rebel Moon, bad. What happened to the Watchmen bad. show? First season was so good. Did, the, did HBO just get rid of it? I didn't know there was a show. Oh, yeah. First season's excellent, dude. It's really good. Oh, man. Yeah, so he did Justice League. He, he Batman, did Batman v Superman. Su- oh, Batman vs Superman was awful.
3: Yeah, terrible movie. Yeah. He just did Rebel Moon. Terrible. Oh, you
0: know what he did that I thought was so bad was... Army of the Dead? Army of the Dead. Yeah. Oh, my God. I I watched that movie with my dad, and I, I remember turning to him and being like, what kind of garbage is this? It just felt like somebody gave a director a billion-dollar budget and said, "There's you don't need a plot. You don't need a plot. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I, I, like, I truly, I know that there are so many big fans of his. Yeah. It, there's, there's a bit of a call. So how
0: does he keep getting jobs when a lot of people because don't like
3: him? there are so many that love him. They love the Snyder They're, they're crazy for yeah.
0: him. I mean, because Rebel Moon already has an, uh, a part two that's going to come out.
3: Well, they, they they made a movie and called it part one. Yeah. You got to be, you, he didn't there was even too deserve much confidence. You did two. not deserve a part two. You did not deserve a part one. That movie
0: stinks. Yeah. Yeah. Not very good. Not very good. So you're excited James Gunn will take over. Because I'm I love a big Gunn. James Gunn oh fan. Oh, yeah. And he the best thing about James Gunn is he started from the bottom. Like, this was a yeah. guy that was an was editor doing, like, and a production weird assistant. Weird YouTube sketch comedy. Yeah, and like, no, but he was like working on sets and being like the janitor. Just like so yeah. he could be in the building.
3: And now he's going to make a superhero franchise that's fun. Yeah. That's and he what always, it should be. And what I like Stop about being... him, he's a
0: family guy. Puts yeah. his dumb brother in the movies. <laughs> I love it. And his uh, brother's not a good puts, actor. Yeah, he puts right? his brother in. He, he puts, puts his, his wife in. in. Yeah. He puts his
3: friends in. I, I, I love it. That's I what love Adam it. Sandler does.
0: Yeah. You know what? That's right. That's that's why we support the Sandman. Yeah. Rob Schneider would have not a career at all <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for Adam Sandler. But you do need to see Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, before you die stuff. Because that is <laughs> that is one of the best rom-coms. I mean, how, how would you not like uh, a freaking male... Um, what do you call it? A male hooker that's with a girl with no leg. An escort. One leg. He's, nice. he's married to a girl with one leg. It's the ultimate plot.
3: Is that the ultimate plot? I mean, that's that's how you, that is how you write a rom-com
0: right there. That's a, One guy has a large peacock. The other woman is with missing a leg. Right. Deuce Bigelow. European gigolo. Right? <laughs> I love that movie. It just makes me laugh so much. All right. If we missed any movie news, Tom Cruise, anything with Hollywood and entertainment, give me a call. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial. I'll be right back.
2: And BCU down by three, 50 to 47. 142 to go here at Eagle Bank. Zeb Jackson, a three to tie. Yes, sir. Zeb Jackson hits the three. And we're knotted at 50 each. Our seventh tie of the game comes from Toledo. Zeb Jackson.
0: The Rams of Virginia Commonwealth University closed the game on a 9-2 run. That was Robbie Robinson on the call of a Zeb Jackson three-pointer to tie the game at 50 via Rams Unlimited right here on 9-10. The fan, VCU defeats Mason 54-50. Joining us right now on the Hadib mercer Cleaning Hotline, the VCU Athletics beat reporter for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Zach Joaquim. What's going on, Zach? adam what's up man
2: thank you so much for having me on
0: absolutely so we've got to uh get to a few things here before we get to the game michael phillips brought you up on his show um because i guess he heard that you drove to the game without a window so explain this to the audience what is going on with your car situation man
2: (laughs) man apparently hyundai santa fe's are very desirable for carjackers Uh Uh, and so my car has been broken into a couple times over the last six months and so the uh at Friday night, actually, after I got back from the St. Christopher's John Marshall game, which, if you weren't there, absolute spectacle. VC recruit Brandon Jennings is the real deal. Led the Saints to a winner over the Justices. Got back from that game on Friday night. Went up to my apartment to write my story. Came back down about an hour and a half later, and my window was smashed out. So we're working on getting the uh, driver's side rear window on my car fixed right now. And if you've been in Richmond over the last few days, you know that that's really uh, not lucky timing because of the weather. <laughs> Uh, And so the the back of my car is a little wet right now.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So you you told me you swam from Richmond to Fairfax Eagle Bank (laughs) Arena to watch VCU. and I mean, I thought this was going to be a high-scoring game, but VCU strapped up defensively and came away with a massive four-point win.
2: As did I. Then Mason came into the game, the number 20 team in the country, in three-point shooting, and, and VCU gave up. But uh, better than 54% from outside in its last two games against Bonaventure and George Washington. Yeah. first time that's happened since 2010. And so of course Mason goes 0 of 15 from three. Um, Ryan Odom said that VCU took a lot of pride in that side of the ball and his guys were determined to to not lose that game because of the defensive end, and it showed last night.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, Michael Bell's such a good kid, and he gave us a really good answer after the game, about what it took for him to stay ready as he had just seen like three and five minutes the last few games. He plays 20 minutes, hits a three-point shot, but more importantly, shut down Keyshawn Hall of the Patriots.
2: And we've had to see a lot of maturity from some of these young pieces in terms of playing time, right? I thought Ryan's response when we asked about Jason Nelson's contributions was really telling in that regard. He talked about Jason's maturity because his playing time has fluctuated a ton, and Michael Bell is the perfect example of that. What was it a couple games ago? I think he played 43 seconds, Yeah, and, and that was it. And so for him to turn around and be able to play 20 minutes and 43 seconds and do a great job on one of the A-10s leading scorers last night and really set the tone defensively for this team, right? It was, it was huge, and he was at the head of that, of that defensive turnaround, and it seemed like everyone else kind of fed off of his defensive energy last night. And you're right. What an outstanding kid, man, in the press conference. He was just smiling a lot and, and talking about communicating with the coaches and how strong that relationship is and staying ready despite the playing time fluctuating. Because there's other guys who are dealing with that right now, right? Fats Phillips has had some great games this season. And he didn't play yesterday. And so with these new pieces coming back, Sean and Joe, a lot of the younger guys in particular have had to show a lot of maturity in terms of their playing time, and Michael Bell certainly did.
0: Yeah, and I think what Coach Odom and his staff has done, which is really important, is everybody's role on the team – it is really defined and detailed. And Michael Bell knows, and he said this to us, he knows that he can be a lockdown defender. He knows it. His teammates know it. His coaches know it. And that's how he was able to stay ready and then come out and ball. And I also want to give Kwani Kwani Tuke a big shout-out and a mention because when Furman got into foul trouble, I, I was a-, a little bit worried. And then Toby Lua also was in foul trouble, and the Rams – had to go to a smaller lineup with Kwanee at the center position, but he played some really strong, meaningful minutes. And, in fact, he blocked a shot and helped grab a, a key rebound for the Rams.
2: He was big, man. You asked Ryan about lineup versatility. After him, Kwanee is such a perfect example of that. You know, he did. I think of him as kind of a stretch four, right? Early in the season, we were getting to know a lot of these players. I was shocked at how well Kalani operates on the perimeter. And so it's a big ask for him to, to play at the five and, and deal with a true center defensively. And, man, he did a great job yesterday. And for Ryan to have that sort of lineup versatility when you're two leading, you know, sophomore forwards and, and Firm and Toby get into foul trouble to be able to go to Kalani there uh, is a huge boon for him. And, man, that's been a big part of when this team is playing well this year. Firm and Toby have been at the center of it, yeah. right? If you look at all the metrics surrounding the VCU team, what they've done really well is efficiency around the rim. I think Toby still leads the A-10 in field goal percentage. It is one of the top players in the country in field goal percentage. Um, and, and Firm's rim-protecting presence has been vital. He's one of the best block, shot blockers uh, in the A-10. And so to not have those two guys available down the stretch and to still win a low-scoring defensive <clears throat> battle with Kiwani at the 5 says a lot about what Ryan can do. Uh, in, in terms of lineup versatility, when some of these pieces are in foul trouble, and it's got to mix and match a little bit.
0: Absolutely, and I thought Zeb Jackson had two of you know maybe the biggest plays of the game uh, early on. Zeb missed a shot, VCU had a few turnovers, and then he picked Polite's pocket and got a quick jam. Uh, I think it calmed down VCU offensively. And then the three to tie the game. I mean, how many times this season has VCU been in in a position where they need a three to tie the game and they've missed it? Zeb came in clutch today, yesterday.
2: What what a huge shot, man. And that's how defenders have been playing him lately. Um, They're trying to make him shoot it from outside because Zeb, you know, at all times is one of, if not the quickest players on the floor, right? And it's, he can beat his guy off the dribble all the time. And it seems to me like defenders are are really recognizing that and they're going under screens. And that was another example of it on the wing where, bombs. His defender went under the screen and Zeb just calmly raised up and, and hit the three. And if defenders are going to give him that much space on the perimeter, he's got to be able to hit that shot. And for him to have the composure to to step back and hit it in a moment when BCU had to have it. it was huge, especially from a, a senior captain, right? He's a guy you look for uh, to make shots like that late in games. I think him and Max are kind of the two guys that late in the game when BCU needs a bucket, you want the ball in their hands on the perimeter. So for him to hit that shot was huge, and then Max with the free throws down the stretch, too. Yeah. That's something that that struck me a lot about this team in late-game situations is Max's ability to get to the line. Um, he's been one of the top free throw shooters in the conference, and it showed again last night.
0: Uh, Zach, and I believe you called it a season-saving win. I think it was a, a massive win that I think could create some momentum, and I wouldn't be surprised if ECU went on a, big, a bit of a win streak uh, now. And, and, you know, I saw this on Twitter. I forget who threw it out there, but somebody said, "Oh yeah, VCU with a down year." And they showed the box score from last January fourth when the Rams lost to Duquesne. And then, of course, VCU goes on that run and wins the A ten. And then, of course, you have the box score of VCU losing to GW. Maybe they go on a run now after beating Mason.
2: It still feels to me like this team has the potential to catch fire, right? What was Iowa State? You see Iowa State. I think that was last night. They beat Houston. Yeah. and that's an Iowa State team, man, that VCU had on the ropes right. in Orlando, was up double digits in the first half, and, and, and really should have won that game. Um, took Memphis to overtime, right, really should have won that game. I think we've seen this team's ceiling, and it's, and it's really high. And those two games that I mentioned there were without a couple of key pieces. Um, and, and so we're seeing what this VCU team's ceiling is, and I really think that Ryan's been throwing a lot of curveballs. In his first year at the helm right and to have to integrate two really key p- pieces into this team toward the back end of non-conference play has been difficult and so we've seen a lot of fluctuations but i really do believe that 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 ceiling is still there if this team can can find a rhythm and you know could go on a streak like that team did last year and, and compete at the top of the a10 because this is a confusing conference right now right it's certainly better than last year and so you you have more opportunities to boost your resume that was a quad one win I believe, yeah. last night yeah. against Mason. And so that, that, that wasn't there last year, that you could go on the road and, and, and pick up quad one wins in the A-10. Um, and it is this year. And so even though you're 16 games into the season, it feels like you've still got an opportunity not to build an, an at-large NCAA resume. I think everyone recognizes that that's gone at this point. But you can certainly, if you can catch fire and... and Real awesome wins like you did last year. And this is going to look like a really, really dangerous team come Brooklyn.
0: That's Zach Joaquin, beat reporter for VCU Athletics from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. New episode of the Black Gold Fan Podcast will be available tonight. Zach, I know you'll be one of the first to download. What do you want to hear us talk about?
2: Well, I appreciate the shout-outs. That's been <laughs> awesome. And, and, and the opportunity to, to, to come on a couple of weeks ago, really, I, I – I told you guys it was like all of a sudden that was a character on my favorite TV show. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit of, or hear you guys talk about the complexion of the A10 because I'm fascinated by that right now. It really is a confusing conference. Dayton, a couple of key injuries. I mean, they seem like the clear top dog, but they've lost some, some key pieces. And past that, who knows, man? Um, and, and the road ahead, BCU's next couple of opponents because it feels to me like LaSalle, obviously a very winnable game. If you can go get a win at LaSalle and then you host a a struggling St. Louis team next Friday, man, the belief is really going to be back in the Siegel Center um, if this team can pick up another road win and come back to Richmond uh, for its next home game on the 19th. Uh, And obviously the crowd reports uh, I'm always excited about. I know we've had a couple of away games here, but I always love hearing the the reports on the atmosphere at the Siegel Center.
0: I love that. Read Zach's work online, richmond.com. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD on the Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So Monday in the NFL was Black Monday, right? A lot of coaches got fired. Now there's a ton of vacancies and a lot of teams searching for a new head coach. The Giants had an interesting situation. From what I believe was reported, the head coach, Brian Dable, was upset with the defensive side of the ball, and he fired the linebackers coach, and the secondary coach. Wink Martindale didn't like that. According to multiple reports, Wink had an issue with Brian Dable, turned into, I guess, an arguing or a screaming match, and then Wink told reporters he was out in New York. Well, truth is he wasn't out. (laughs) They didn't fire him. He was still in his job in New York, and look, he's a great defensive coordinator. He's going to get looks. Well, it's now official, according to Ian Rappaport. The Giants and defense coordinator Wink Martindale have mutually agreed to part ways. I mean, this has been like a three-day thing, though, Stubb. You were following this a little bit, right?
3: Yeah, I, I had a I have a Giants friend, and he was telling me that it sounded like he, he said this to the media, and then he went on vacation, yeah. and just wasn't picking up the yeah, phone Yeah, he's like for in anyone. Florida right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. He, he told the media he didn't tell the Giants staff. And then didn't pick up his phone. Right. Well, supposedly just, he
0: told Brian Dable, if you fire my guys, you have to fire me. So he, right.
3: he assumed that that... And he um, assumed
0: they were going to fire him, and Dable was thinking to himself, you're too good of a DC to just let go. I, the Giants have become a real dysfunctional organization. They have so much money tied into Daniel Jones now. What are they going to do? It's, it's going to be really interesting. As The big news earlier today was that Pete Carroll... Appears to be out in Seattle. Now, we haven't heard official word yet that he's out, right? I've uh, heard multiple reports that he could stay with the organization as a GM.
3: Yeah, everything, like I'm looking at ESPN, it sounds like out as coach, yeah. hoping to keep him as an advisor. Yeah. That uh, was an official statement from the Seahawks. They yeah, released but
0: there. when you look at all the teams that are looking to hire a new head coach and really the best teams that have the best draft situations, I do think the commanders are number one, right? So here's, here's my evidence for that, all right? They've got a ton of cap space. That's number one, right? They've got a ton of draft picks. That's number two, five in the first 100. Number three, they have the number two overall pick. And number four, they have an owner who's willing to spend to win. I think that's better than what the Patriots have going. Uh, Well, They're picking after us. I think it's better than the Raiders. Uh, A lot of people pick the Chargers as a better destination than Washington. But apparently they're 18th on the list of best cap uh, situations this offseason. Titans are an interesting one, right? Because they do have an established running back and some money to spend, but they're also looking for a quarterback. I mean, I guess they're going to roll with Will Levis for another year, uh, but he didn't really show me too much that he was ready to be a franchise quarterback.
3: Yeah, the only thing against the commanders here is our roster. Yeah. It's just not any, too many bright lights for feels, someone to come It to.
0: does. It feels like this is like Swiss cheese on the whole roster. Like There's yeah. so many holes. Right? Like, Man, we felt so good about the defensive line for so long. Then you trade Chase Young and Montez <laughs> Sweat, and, Deron, and a- Deron Payne and John and Allen definitely took a step back. So our, I th- still think the defensive line is our best possession group, but we need to draft some guys. We've got a hit. That's why head of football operations might be more important than head coach. I, I think if you're looking this at the year. three Michael Phillips asked me, quarterback is the most important thing of the three, then I'd put head of football operations over coach because you have to fill so many th- they have to hit they've got five first round draft pick or five picks in the first 100 they got to hit on four out of five and we're talking about impactful players that start right away we can only hope <laughs> we can only hope i'm pre- i'm Adam Epstein you're listening to AY8 radio i appreciate everybody listening to the show grand danny 10 years on the fan they're continuing next on 910 the fan